Heavenly Father, we thank you so much on this Easter Sunday that you are the author of salvation. And God, our desire is that today your light would shine in our midst. God, as we gather here in this space, we pray Holy Spirit, come and be present amongst us. Witness to our hearts of the risen Christ. Lord, may we come to grasp something afresh and deeper and closer to us of the power and the truth and the hope that comes from the resurrection. So come meet with each one of us, Lord. I pray that for every person who's here, they can have a, an encounter with the risen Christ today that leaves none of us unchanged. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's give God one more clap before you sit down if you're celebrating the good news of that story. It's awesome. You can grab a seat. Why don't you grab a seat? You know, welcome. And uh, I just want to say a huge welcome. If you're uh, new to True North, new around here, maybe don't normally come to church or uh, do things like this, I just want you to know we're so glad you're here. My name's Dean. I'm part of the team here. And great to be able to just be together. It's, it's Easter Sunday, and we get to be together in this space. And we are doing that because we want to get gathered around the, the message of what has happened because we believe that actually what happened uh, on Easter Sunday, uh, just, uh, just three days later, uh, after Jesus died on the cross, is what is the most transformative event in all of human history. And so we're going to explore that together today. We're just going to wrestle with it. If you're a person who, you know what, you were so excited for today because that, that's part of your conviction in life. Uh, today we're just going to remember again the power and why this is so, uh, why this is the thing uh, of our faith. And if you're someone who doesn't normally come to church, you're going to get a taste of why, uh, you know, we actually gather every week because of what happened on Easter Sunday and believe it's the most difference-making thing that can happen. So we're going to look at that today. You know, there's a famous interviewer. His name is uh, Larry King, and I think, he, I think he just passed away just in this last 12 months. He interviewed, I don't know how many thousands of people across his life. That was what he did. He just interviewed people, royalty, uh, you know, famous people, just anyone, you know, people who've done significant things. And he was asked once, out of all the people he'd ever interviewed, uh, if you could interview anyone from human history, who would you want to interview? And what question would you ask them? And he said, if I could interview anyone, it would be Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, and if I could ask him anything, and, and Larry King, you should know, is a Jewish man. That was his, uh, his background and faith. And he said, and I would ask him this question. Is it true that you really were born of the Virgin Mary? And he said, because the answer to that question would, be, would determine all of human history. And his point was, if, if that's true, if Jesus really is who he said he was, the Son of God, not just another man, not just another good teacher, not just another great figure in history, but if he was indeed the Son of God come into this world, he said that would define and change all of human history. And the resurrection, what we celebrate today, this idea that Jesus rose from the grave, we've been singing about it, it's that kind of truth, it's that kind of message it is not something that you can kind of uh, say, well, it's a nice thing. It's either everything or it's almost nothing. And what we're going to look at today is why 
uh, people of faith and, and, and Christians throughout the centuries have all believed that, in fact, this idea that Jesus rose from the dead is something that we can know, have confidence in, and is actually the one thing that changes everything. You know, on, uh, there's nothing, you know, kind of worse in some ways uh, than when you realize you're missing part of a story. You know, it's, it's common to see, you know, a cross and, you know, we wear crosses sometimes. People who may not have any particular religious belief, well, you know, it's a symbol of love and sacrifice and all those things. And Good Friday, if you were here, you know, we celebrate Jesus was, we believe, willing to go to the cross, not just because, but for, to, to take our sins on him. But what we have to realize is the cross is only part of the story. And the resurrection is the part of the story that makes sense of it all. You know, I can remember when I was a kid, uh, must have been in the early uh, 80s this happened. Uh, I must have been about five years old. And there was a movie on TV, and, and movies back in 1983-ish, uh, you know, they weren't on, like, you know, your phone, like, for sure, because that phone was, like, attached to a cord and a wall and all that kind of thing. So there, there weren't many movies around, but there was a movie that came out in 1978, which was, like, one of the first superhero movies. And it was the original Superman movie. Has anybody ever seen the original 1978? So, yeah, give it a clap if you know that movie. Like, it was, uh, you know, some of you are like, what, uh, 1978? Like, they didn't, you know. And so this is the original. It's got this guy, Christopher Reeve. Great movie. Great, great story. Great superhero movie. Like the, you know, maybe the original one. Uh, but I can remember in about, I was probably about five years old. So it's like 1983, maybe 19. And, and it was on TV. And if it was on TV, again, that didn't mean that you could like just push a button and watch it when you wanted on TV. Uh, it was like on a TV station, these old things they used to have. And, and it was on and I was only four or five, so it came on TV. The movie's about two and a half hours long. Uh, but I can remember watching it, like, wow, Superman, it's all these things. And then it came to what I, I think, looking back now, must have been the first commercial break. And I don't know if it's because, in my mind, I, I think it's because, I think at this point my parents said to me, they may dispute this, but I think what they said to me was, all right, it's time for bed. And I probably said, oh, I want to watch the rest of the movie. And I think they said, no, nah, that's the end of the movie. <laughs> and I was like four, so I'm like, okay, I'll go to bed. <laughs> so that was fine. But then I can remember like another year or two went by or somehow the movie was on again or it was on TV. And I can remember it getting to this exact same scene and I turned the TV off. And someone was like, why are you turning it off? I'm like, that's the end of the movie. And they're like, that's not the end of the movie. This is like barely started. That's like the introduction to the movie. And I was like, what? I always thought the movie ended in that scene. And, you know, this thing, I was like missing everything. I thought this was, you know, as much as there was. But it turned out everything that I thought was all there was was just the introduction. And Jesus' life is like that. We get his, his story in the Gospels and his teaching, the healings, the miracles, the crowds beginning to follow him. Ultimately, he goes to the cross and it feels to all his closest followers like that day on the cross when his body is laid in a tomb. It feels like that's it. That's the end of the story. But what I can tell you is that if that, if that was the end of the story, you and I wouldn't be talking about him today. Uh, he may have been a great teacher, a great religious figure, or something like that. 
But the reality is we probably wouldn't even know his name. The whole reason that the world looks at the cross is now a symbol of love and sacrifice instead of a symbol of death, torture, imperial power, which is what it was. The whole reason for that is because of the resurrection. And we're going to look a little bit this morning at what it changes in our lives when we understand that this is the full story. Because Jesus' followers, his closest followers, they didn't expect this. They didn't see it coming. And so they thought Jesus in the tomb, end of story. And they were wrestling with the, the shock, wrestling with what do we do with this. And, and it's into that, I guess, almost experience and environment of chaos and confusion and doubts and questions that suddenly Jesus shows up alive. And this is one of those stories of what happened. They're all gathered in a room. They're all beginning to hear these rumors that, wait a second, is he alive? Jesus' people are saying he's appeared to them. They've seen him. They're wondering what's going on. And all of a sudden it says in Luke's account, Luke chapter 24, says this. It says, while they, Jesus' all his closest disciples, friends, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Let me hear you say, peace be with you. You know, this is a, a beautiful saying. It's actually how they would have greeted one another. The, the Hebrew expression shalom is, is a greeting they would actually give to one another. And, it, and it's, it's this idea of saying, peace be with you. And Jesus shows up and in the midst of their confusion and question says this. And it says they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. You know, I love just the honesty of the historical accounts we get. They, they didn't know what was going on. Is this a ghost? Like, what is happening here? And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones, as you see I have. This is real. Now, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. His hands and feet, which had just so recently been nailed to the cross. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. You know, this is the amazing thing. It says they, they've got this, like, joy and amazement. They can't believe it. This is a picture of, like, they're all in this room. They can't believe what's happened. All of a sudden, Jesus is there trying to figure out, is this guy a ghost? Is this real? Like, are we, what is going on here? And they're just like, joy and amazing. Like, could this be? Could this be? But they don't even know what to make of this story yet, what's happening. And so he asked them for something to eat. They give him broiled fish. He eats it. He said to them, look, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem and finishing at the edge of planet Earth in Perth, Western Australia, many years later. The most isolated city in the world. I am going to... He says, and you, you are witnesses of these things. 
You know, this moment and everything that happens three days after the cross, this is, this is what actually helps us understand everything else was just the introduction to the story. It's the moment that transforms and makes sense of everything that has happened before. Jesus is going to say, here, I want to actually explain everything from all the scriptures. It actually was all pointing to this moment. He's going to help them understand, hey, there is this huge story. And this is what's going to help you know you can have confidence and faith and hope and trust. What this story is all about. You know what I love? Uh, uh, there's so many things you can, you know, and, and literally could spend you know, years reflecting on almost any single verse in, in, in what we just read. But what I want us all to wrap our heads around, whether you're a person of faith or somebody who just feels kind of skeptical, you feel a bit like the disciples who are in that room, just kind of doubtful, like, this legit? I don't know if this is legit. What I want us all to just maybe picture and imagine this is true. Here's what this story tells us. You know, uh, Jesus begins when he shows up to them, and he says this great greeting, peace be with you, shalom. Now, what's amazing about this is, you know, they, they, they felt anything but peace in this moment. They were uncertain. Their lives felt in turmoil. Their hopes had been dashed. They, but when Jesus shows up and greets them, shalom, like peace be with you. You see, shalom is a Hebrew word and expression. It's actually one of the biggest ideas you find across the scriptures from the beginning to the end is this idea of shalom. And it, what it is, it's more than just peace as in like there's no more fighting or conflict. Shalom in the scriptures is this idea of everything being just how God wanted it to be. Shalom is when all of creation is flourishing and everything is kind of connected. Everything is right in its place. So to say shalom to someone, to say peace be with you is, is kind of to, you know, was to wish like this is what we want for one another. We want people to experience and know peace and that sense of peace that only comes when everything is just as it should be. If you've ever had a moment, an experience in life or something inside you that just said, that's not how it's supposed to be. You know, if you've ever experienced a great tragedy, if you've ever experienced great loss, if you've ever experienced great just difficulty or adversity or something that just made you want to shake your fist and say, that's not how life should be. There's a reason you feel that pain. There's a reason you feel that wanting to cry out against it because you're exactly right. That's not how it's supposed to be. And the scriptures tell us that the pain and brokenness of this world is not how things are supposed to be, that sin has wrecked the whole thing. But the reason we can say that's not how it ought to be is because deep within us, God has planted how it ought to be. It's shalom. When instead of relationships being defined by conflict and animosity, life is defined by love for God and love for one another. And all of creation, instead of, you know, humans weren't intended to kind of make a mess of the whole creation, we were intended to Look after it and care for it and for one another and the whole thing to be just as it should be. That's shalom. And so when Jesus shows up and says, peace be with you, I just love this moment because it reminds us that because of the resurrection, shalom is possible. It's almost like Jesus is showing up in their midst and like everything feels like it's falling apart to you right now. But when he suddenly shows up alive, it's like, no, 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 no. 
everything, because I have conquered sin and death, everything can now be just as it ought to be. And he's telling them there's shalom is possible, peace is possible. You know, the resurrection lets us know that death, pain, and suffering do not have the final word. They are not the last word, but in fact, the resurrection lets us know God is in the process of putting all things right. You see, the thing that I love as well about the story of the resurrection, so different from so many other, you know, life philosophies or even other religious perspectives, is it affirms and takes seriously the pain of our world, but says that there is something bigger and greater as well. Do you know Jesus, he shows up and he says, you want to know if this is true? You want to know if I'm really here? You want to know if, if actually I have conquered sin and death? The ultimate thing that has wrecked life here in God's creation. He says, look at my hands and my feet. And why does he say that? Because his hands and his feet, one, it was going to help them see, like, wait a second, he's not just a ghost. What happened in the resurrection wasn't just some kind of weird mystical experience. No, this was Jesus alive. The tomb is empty. His body is genuine resurrection. And he says, look at my hands and my feet. And they can see the scars. And they know that it's him. And what I love about this is it reminds us that, you know what, God takes your pain and my pain seriously, that those things are real. Like the cross was real. Jesus, even resurrected, has the scars that show he was willing to enter into the worst suffering humanity could throw at him. And so we realize this, that the the scriptures, it's almost like the pain and the evil of this world. I think that this moment reminds us, it's like that stuff, it's, it actually, there was a mark our pain and evil left on Christ. And yet, even the worst of that pain and suffering is now gloriously healed and redeemed. And the holes in the hands are now scars where the nails used to be. And you know what I love about this? Because it... It's this great reminder that, you know what, actually pain and brokenness are real. But the resurrection is realer. That's a great word, realer. You can try and use it sometime. Maybe not everywhere, but the resurrection rewrites a lot of the laws that we used to think. So we can rewrite a word here maybe and say realer. But what you've got to understand is that it's like, man, because of the resurrection, we can actually experience the pain and brokenness of this world and not have to pretend like it's not real or doesn't hurt. We don't have a hope that's sort of like this nice kind of just, no, 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 it's okay, it'll all be fine. But we have a hope that's anchored in the real grittiness of life, but with hope that says, but no matter what, Christ's resurrection is greater. You know, I heard this little saying, a, a quote somewhere. I looked it up on the internet, so it's always dangerous to know if this is really who said it. Um, but uh, the internet, anyway, says that John Lennon said it. Um, but it's the internet. So, and the internet also told me one time, I read a quote from Abraham Lincoln where he said, don't trust everything on the internet because it's not all accurate on there. So I've always thought if Abraham Lincoln thinks that we shouldn't trust everything on there, you just got to be cautious is what I'm saying. So, uh, but I read this quote. I, I love this quote. It says, everything's going to be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, then it's not the end. 
Everything's going to be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, well, then it's not the end. And I always think that's so much of what I think the scriptures and the resurrection are, are there to help us know. That you know what? We can know shalom is possible. It's going to be okay. Everything will be okay in the end. That's the message of the resurrection. And in your life and in mine, if everything's not okay yet, that's okay. It's not the end yet. The end is resurrection. The end is, is not this world and all its brokenness. The end is realizing that Jesus has conquered all of that and wants to share that resurrected life with us. And so there's a lot of things in this world that are going to leave some scars, and there's a lot of things in this world that are going to feel like, you know, this just doesn't seem right. But the sheer fact that we say that's not how it could be is because deep within us we know there's a way things ought to be. And because of Jesus' resurrection, we have confidence that one day every painful thing will become a scar that somehow becomes a, a beautiful part of God's glorious resurrection. You know, the thing about this story as well is Jesus lets them know that all of the cross, the tomb, and the empty tomb, you know, none of it happened by accident. He tells them, we're going to go back, he says, and it says he explained to them, you know, this is all the law, the prophets, all the scriptures, all history was always pointing towards this moment. They, they didn't understand the story before. They'd only experienced part of the story. They only got the introduction. They hadn't seen it the whole way through. But now from the resurrection point of view, Jesus is going to come to them and say, look, I want you to see that it's all been pointing towards me. It's all been pointing. This, this wasn't an accident. This was God's plan to create people and to re redeem us and restore us to genuine relationship, fellowship, the Bible calls it, with himself. You know, Jesus says uh, this wonderful part where he, you know, says, can I have something to eat? I love that Jesus is like, you know, they're, they're there. They're worried he's a ghost. And he's like, God, you know, you got anything to eat? Like, we got some fish. Guys, like, got an Uber Eats voucher. Do you want me to use that? You know, just like, get some food. Luckily, they had some broiled fish. They bring him some, some broiled fish. And Jesus asked for some salt and vinegar. That doesn't show up in the text, but, you know, you still got, you know, you want some flavor still. But, you know, what that's there for, there's a couple reasons that we seek. <laughs> like, really? You need some food? Like, you've just, like, you've come back from the dead. Like, I, I can understand. I'd be famished as well. Okay, so, he wants fish. And it's there to let us know a couple things. One is, Jesus is demonstrating, um, I'm not just a ghost. His body is now able to do things that, his resurrected body can do things we can't do. He's, he's showing up in a room, out of a room, all those things. But he's not a ghost. He's actually physical flesh, bones. He's like, this is just like, whoa, this is, he's blowing their minds and yours and mine. And, and just like, no, give me fish. I'm going to eat. He doesn't need to eat, but he's part of it. He's flesh and bones, he's so conscious to say. And so there's one sense with him eating it. He's helping them know this is what resurrection's about. You know, if you've ever had a vision of heaven, or sort of like, I don't know what happens. There's a bunch of people like ghosts and, you know, white robes and float around with harps and, and everything about that vision makes you go, oh, please don't let it all be true. <laughs> you know, there's, that's reality. But this is Jesus showing us, no. Like life as we know it, God created it like this because it's, it's good. 
And in resurrection life, it's not just kind of like, oh, forget all that. Forget fish and forget food. It's, a, it's actually, no, no, no. We, we go beyond what we've ever known, but there's a sense of these things continuing. And Jesus says, oh, I'm going to have some fish. And he's showing this isn't a ghost. This is real. This is bodily. This is, this is me. This is the body that was in the tomb. It's now alive. And then the other thing that it shows us as well is like Jesus is going to sit and eat with them. You know, to eat in their culture and still around the world, to eat together is this symbol and picture of friendship. It's this picture of connection. And by eating in their midst, we're getting this picture. You know, Jesus rose and he conquered the grave and he conquered sin and death. And he's come to help them know they can have confidence in this. And that what he wants is to meet us at the table. It's to eat with us, to walk with us. That through this journey that we live in this part of the story, until the final resurrection, this hope that we have because of Jesus' resurrection that can await for us all, as we walk through this journey of life, Jesus wants to walk with us. He wants to sit at the table with us. And in the book of Revelation, Jesus says, that, you know, I stand at the door of, and I knock. And he's talking about the door of our hearts. And he says, and if anybody will open that door, I'll come in and I will eat with them. This picture, this is what Jesus wants, to know us, walk with us. And so you see the story of, of these scriptures is, you know, the story of the resurrection, it is everything. Because it is what helps us to know that, that, wow, we don't just wish things ought to be a certain way. This is actually what Jesus has come to accomplish. We don't just experience pain and think that's the end of the story. Or we don't go through it and think, oh, just pretend it's not that bad. We can actually go through all those things and know, but you know what? The story is still going. And Jesus is in the process of healing our greatest wounds. He's in the process of one day he can weave, if he can weave even the cross into a, a beautiful, glorious scar, he can weave all of, our, all of our pain into this beautiful picture he's creating. And it won't always feel like it in the middle, but if it doesn't feel okay, that's just because it's not the end yet. The end is resurrection. And Jesus' resurrection gives us hope, gives us certainty, gives us confidence that actually we can, we can know that is true. You know, the thing I want to encourage you with today, it is, it's Easter Sunday. And you and I, we have gathered here in this place. And, and however you got here, whether you came because you're someone who says, yeah, my hope is in that resurrection. Or whether you're somebody who, you know, is a little bit unsure what to make of it all. My encouragement for every single one of us is that the greatest thing you and I can do out of Easter Sunday is to get to know more of who the risen Christ is. And so for some of us, it may be we start where the disciples were in the beginning. You're full of doubt and questions and wondering, is this, like, is this stuff true? Can I believe this? For others, it, it may be you've, you've walked with him for a while. Your hope is there. But nevertheless, wherever we are, we can all walk more with him. We can all come closer. And maybe beginning to wrestle with the doubts and create some space in your life to actually explore and know, you know, Dean, this sounds 
like, maybe it's good or maybe too good to be true. Could I really know with certainty? And I tell you that the more we spend time getting to know Christ, the more you begin to realize that so many millions over the couple thousand years since this happened, he wasn't just alive then. He's alive now. And you can get to know him. And for others, you know, there might have been a point in your life when you felt like the disciples here where to know that Jesus had risen from the dead brought joy and amazement, almost like, can I even believe this? And there was a, a thrill and a hope and a joy in your faith. And you know what? One of the best things you can do is to continue to go, wait a second, let me recapture that. How do I get my heart back into that place where I want to walk? I want to I eat fish with Jesus. I want to be at the table with you. I want to know him. I want to know him. And know him more. You know, one of the things that I, I think is, uh, one of the things we do as a church that is, is if you find yourself in either of those categories, if you, you know, you know just want to find out, is this true? Could I really know this? One of the things we do is called Alpha. And Alpha is this 10-week, you know, kind of course we do where you get to just sit around tables with other people. You watch some a video each week. You eat food together. You watch a video that just explains the Christian faith. If you ever wondered, like, you know, can I understand it? Could I believe it? Is it all ridiculous? Isn't it all just a bunch of fairy tales? Every question you've ever had, it's the place where you can explore that, ask it. And actually, you know, I love how the disciples here, it's like they keep talking to Jesus. He's explaining stuff. They're spending time together. It just gives you a space to do that and say, you know what? At least for once in my life, I'm going to explore this thing and see what do I make of it. I'd love to invite you to Alpha. You'll see a, a card on your chair and, and that's got details. We kick off every Alpha with a party because if Jesus liked to eat together with people, then well, what better way to, to kind of kick something off as people who know Jesus than to just throw a big party. We have food and spend time together and, if, and you find out a little about what Alpha is and if you're interested, you can stick around and do it. There's others of you who, uh, you know, may go, you know what, I'm trying to find that spark again in my faith. I want to encourage you, Alpha may be a great way for you to do that. Because it just creates a regular space in your life where you get back around the table, exploring who is Christ with others. And it's amazing what it does to, you know, almost light your heart up over the good news of this story. Um, and this card is there because one of the other best things you can do, Jesus says at the end, you are witnesses. If you're a person who has found Christ to be real in your life, well, then guess what? You and I have literally marching orders from Jesus to go be witnesses. And a witness isn't somebody who says, hey, you should believe this and that, and here's how it all works and how it all fits. A witness is someone who says, hey, here's what I've experienced. Here's what I found. I found Jesus to be real, and the most transformative thing in my life is knowing him, and hey, do you want to come along? And maybe you just need to invite somebody, you know, to, to come check it out for themselves. You know, if you're thinking about doing that, I'd love to share, we're going to have a look at a story uh, of someone who did Alpha here at True North. And, and the whole idea of Alpha is it gives you a chance to meet the same Christ that these disciples did that day. So let's check out Maddie's story. Have a look at this. Hi, my name's Maddie. I am 21, turning on 22, and I live in Two Rocks. So I got to Alpha through an invite of a good friend. Um, he invited me along and he said, look, this is an open space for you to explore whatever you think you need to explore. 
going to Alpha, I pulled up in the car park and I was sitting there in my car and I didn't really know whether I wanted to dive in and actually go and meet people that I wasn't familiar with. I sat in my car for a long time and just kind of thought to myself, do I give it a chance or do I run? <laughs> I went in and everyone was great. They showed so much love towards one another. It was the most comfortable environment at the Alpha Party that I've ever experienced, really. The people there just welcomed me and they just seemed so genuine. And I haven't exactly had a lot of people in my life that have been that genuine. My turning point in my faith, I would say, would be the first Alpha Day. I was sitting outside the Merrill campus on the little oval out the front, and I was just kind of soaking up the sun in my thoughts, thinking about everything. And Dean saw me and he came over and sat with me and he said to me, he was like, look, there's always going to be a chance for you to invite God into your life, but it, he will always be there if you ask. It was difficult because I've been let down by a lot of people in my life. So giving that trust to someone is very scary in a way. <laughs> um, but I'm also glad that I did because I don't think that I would be where I am today without opening that door. After doing Alpha, I would say I'm a lot more at peace, if anything, much more comfortable in my own skin. I feel much more fulfilled in a way because I was lost before I did Alpha and now like, I kind of feel at home. I view God in a whole different light. I have so much trust in Him and so much faith in Him to guide me in the right direction. I never thought I could really trust someone this much, but through everything that I've learned, it's definitely brought me closer. It's like having your best friend there, basically. <laughs>
you and I can meet with him now. Literally millions of people around the world continue to witness that he is alive and that in knowing him, we can find hope and peace, direction and purpose. And the greatest thing we can do is to get to know him more. You know, this morning we are going to now sing one more time together. And we're going to sing this song, Mighty to Save. And I just want to encourage you, if you're a person of faith, you know, today, this is a day we just, oh, we celebrate. He's our Savior. He can't move the mountains. He has, he has plan of salvation cannot be stopped. And we want to lift our hearts. Worship is a response. We sing out of a response. God has done something. And we lift our hearts and voices and our arms, and we just celebrate who He is. If you're a person who's new to faith or wouldn't, you know, say you're there yet, don't worry. You're always just welcome to be here. Just hang out. Just be. Don't ever feel pressure to do or believe or say something here. Just be. Just be. And I encourage you and invite you. You know, one of the best things you may want to do is just try it, Alpha. It just creates a space to get to know him, to see what's there. You know, you can walk away from it all if you want. That's no worries. But this is the greatest story that's ever been told. And it's the greatest because it's not just a story. The resurrection happened and it's where we find a sure foundation for our lives and for faith. I wanna pray and we're gonna celebrate that resurrection in a moment. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you in this moment that you are alive, that you want to know us. Thank you that you loved us enough to come for us. Thank you that you were willing to endure the cross for us. And we thank you and praise you that you were great enough to step out of that tomb. God, you are mighty to save. And it is our privilege, our pleasure, our joy to just celebrate that today. May that joy continue to transform our hearts, transform our lives, transform our experiences as we get to know you more and more. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come on, let's sing together. Let's celebrate the one who is mighty to save.